It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Fight! Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills and Joey Madore. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan on 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills on the mic alongside Joey Medora and Andrew Allison. Matt Carroll join us on this Thursday edition of the Sports Fan. 6.06 on the clock on this 16th day of September. The Bobcats are on the air in about an hour as they take on the Raging Cajuns down in Louisiana. So we got a lot to talk about. Plus, uh, we really haven't talked to, uh, too much about Cincinnati Bengals. We'll talk Bengals with Russ Heltman. He'll call into the program momentarily. Uh, Cincinnati Reds still trying to figure out their own way. Uh, and high school sports getting up and going, uh, especially tomorrow. Long drive. Long drive for, uh, for, for Colt Yinger and I. for yourself. I know. you got a short drive. I mean, you're going to Vinton County. I'll be going uh, all the way know, to... Not uh, the shortest drive in the, in the conference, but, you know, not too terrible either. Right. I mean, at least you're not going to like West two Virginia. Two and a half hours. Yeah. 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 Have fun. <laughs> anyway, we got Russ Be an interesting matchup to see, though. It will be. It will be a good matchup. Russ Upman joins us. Russ, it's good to have you back on the air. And, of course, uh, you and I, were uh, we were right. It's good to say that we were right about Cincinnati last week as the uh, Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals got the win uh, in overtime, nonetheless. But, hey, you know, win's a win, right? Exactly, fellas. Doesn't matter how you do it in the NFL that you get it done. But I'm not going to gloat. It's on to week two. I have a... I have a player's mentality. How about that, guys? We're, we're not. We, we don't think about the last week. Uh, that's that's what that's what losers do. We think about week yeah. two. That's where we're on now. Well, I love it. Six yeah, weeks. We will, let's break down that game a little bit. Twenty-seven, twenty-four. Hate to say I told you so, but it went exactly as I thought. Joe Mixon carry the football, feed the man, making a ton of money right now at the right running back position, and he showed exactly why they paid him to take the pressure off of Joe Burrow. Ease him back in a little bit. That's kind of what I what I saw mostly from that game plan, and some questionable decisions here and there. Almost did him in, but you draft a kicker in the fifth round for a reason. I don't know many people that dislike that decision in April. I loved it, and the fact that Evan McPherson coming off a great season at Florida, a perfect training camp, and a leg that hadn't missed in a game. And almost in, a, in almost a year, it was perfect in his debut when special teams player of the week. It was just it was a storybook ending, and it was one of those watching it on TV. It felt like one of those games where I was sitting there with my girlfriend watching. They were just like, "They're going to blow this. There's no way they're going to win this game in overtime." They hadn't won a game in overtime since October 2015, my freshman year of college, and they get the job done off the field goal and the great fourth down play. Why lead call by Joe Burrow? is the uh, the sealer, and that's that's the way that's the way you draw it up, fellas. Yeah, Russ, you got to be extremely happy to see that balance that they had offensively that you just didn't really see at all last year. Usually the formula for the Bengals to be within a game was having Burrow drop back 40 or 50 times to try to stay in the game, but I, th- but I think the splits were 36 run, 29 passes in the game on Sunday, and, of course, that's the kind of formula that you want to have when you're going to go out there and win some ball games. Well, exactly, and I've seen people kind of like worried or with something about about Joe Burrow, and and people have said it's like his worst game in almost two years. And I'm just like, all right, the the thing you want to do in this league is play sound defense in the red zone, get teams off the field on third down, execute on third down, which they did not do in this game. I believe they're around like 21 percent, which is amazing that they were able to get the job done, but. The reason they got the job done was because of Uno. Who else? Jamar Chase. Mr. Stonehands, guys. Joe Burrow asked, what happened? I thought he couldn't catch. Goes out and has a obliterates the Bengals' rookie receiving debut record. First rookie in team, on the team to have a touchdown in their debut since, I believe it was, yeah, it was uh, A.J. Green in 2011, and then Jermaine Gresham also did it in 2010. So the fact that you were able to stretch the field with Jamar Chase and access that part of the game, a part of the game that was basically non-existent in 2020. Fellas, that was the biggest touchdown at that stadium, the biggest touchdown for this team since they went up on the Steelers in the wildcard game in 2015. There's no doubt about it. There's no arguing that point, I believe. And the fact that they got that done and, and 
Jamar Chase gets to break out the gritty and just stuff it down everybody's throat. It was it was a lot of fun to watch. It was wow. That that was that was the reason they got the job done was the fact that that connection and the LSU media team basically redid it with uh, with their Twitter video. It's a really great post. People haven't seen it. They can uh, scroll through the past week, but it looked just like the national championship game. They picked up right where they left off. And that, along with the performance of Panay Sewell for the Lions, who basically shut down Nick Bosa, almost shut down Nick Bosa, but played very well, just goes to show you, preseason is the preseason, fellas. And when the lights go on, the real players come out to play, and that's what we saw on Sunday. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing that you saw improve from last year to this year, uh, just through one week, but that defense was able to stop the run. The defense stepped up pretty big. And while, yeah, Eli Appy was, was a, a glaring hole uh, in that game, you have to like where they spent the money and the improvements that they've made on the defensive side of the ball. No doubt. That four-man rotation on the interior, knock on wood, guys, because I want to watch it all season long. B.J. Hill, who was a steal, steal of a trade for Billy Price, and they got a seventh-round pick on top of it. He already came. I think he had two sacks in the game. He was creating pressure all over the place. Josh Tupo was great in his return after taking the year off due to COVID last year. And then Larry Ogunjobi gets a one-year deal coming from Cleveland. Gets to play his true, actual, natural position at three technique and wrecks havoc all game long. And then DJ Reader was an absolute destroyer in both the run game and the pass game. He was all over Dalvin Cook on both the A-gaps. We left him no room on the inside to be able to bounce it out and use the vision that Dalvin Cook's so well-known for and then break tackles at the second level. Guys, they took advantage of a bottom-four offensive line, and the fact that they did allow Kirk Cousins to move the ball, but they really worked well in the red zone and just shut down that rushing attack. They can't, they can't win games in Minnesota if Kirk Cousins is leading that offense. They have to lead and te- break teams down with the play action. They were were not able to do it on Sunday. I believe Dalvin Cook had around 65 yards rushing. And that's a A-plus day in terms of shutting down their best offensive weapon. Yeah, 61, 61 actually, and they killed him to well under four mm-hmm. yards of carry. Big uh, big accomplishment for the defense. Coming into next week's game, you're going to have another very talented running back who is going to get a big, uh, you know, big uh, workload against the Bengals in their next game in Chicago, and that's Montgomery, who had a uh, pretty solid opening night against uh, the Rams, despite the fact that his offense was inept pretty much with Andy Dalton uh, leading it there. Are you going to – I mean, you got to be thinking it's going to be a, have to be a pretty similar game plan. I mean, the defense is going to have to stop the run, and other than that, I mean, the Bears aren't really bringing you too many other weapons. Allen Robinson is a good player, but, you know, there's not very much on the outside that concerns you with the Chicago offense. And it's – it's Andy Dalton. He's, uh, as Michael Lombardi would say of the GM Shuffle podcast, a 2020 quarterback, guys. That's what he showed exactly on Sunday night when he was able to move the ball against the Rams, was able to get all that done. But it doesn't, like, if you can move the ball in the NFL these days, good on you. Claps. It's the modern-day NFL. That's not surprising. The teams that separate themselves are the teams that execute in the red zone. And Andy Dalton cannot do that. I don't expect him to do that. On this defense, I've heard people really make a little bit of a big deal about Ricardo Allen, was the highest-graded PFF defensive player on the Bengals' uh, roster last week, played 21 snaps right around that many, and looked really good in those three safety sets. But that's against the Minnesota Vikings. who have a way, like you said, Allen Robinson, I respect him, and I expect Chidobay Wuzier to respect him greatly, but I don't think he's a player that, you're going to really hurt. You're going to really regret doubling or giving more respect to with the other guys on that receiving court versus Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. You had guys all throughout. Alvin Cook can make plays in the passing game, and there brings you to David Montgomery, who I believe, unless this offensive line just dominates a defensive interior that looked hungry and ready to prove themselves last week at home for the Cincinnati Bengals, I don't really see David Montgomery having too much of a detrimental impact to their winning chances. Even though I got, I, I respect David Montgomery. Everybody should right now. I think he's one of the more underrated backs in the league. Came in in better shape this season. I saw him Sunday night reach the fastest speed he's ever ran in an NFL game this, in his career. So he's ready to play. 
He's fresh, and he's uh, trying to show that he's one of the best running backs in the league, and the Bengals got to respect that on Sunday. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's almost the same game plan that you have to take into uh, what you did in week one with Dalvin Cook, right? Stop Cook. You have you give your chance to give yourself a chance to win. Uh, you stop Montgomery next week. Give yourself a chance to win that football game. Uh, but Russ, I know your time is uh, kind of short today. You're overbooked. Uh, appreciate you being on the sports fan. But before we let you go, Louisiana and Ohio. Uh, that's on the big oh, ESPN that's, today. That's going to be a something tonight. That will be something. <laughs> Um, what what's your uh, immediate takeaway uh, prior to this pregame happening at seven o'clock? Good old Levi Lewis, fellas. Mm. I've seen him once. I've seen him twice. I think this is probably what is this the third time they played Levi Lewis? Second, I think in the bowl game. Is it just the second? Yeah, just second. I, I don't know. I feel like every time I just see a guy like Levi Lewis who has looked very good so far this year, yet to throw an interception through two games, raging Cajuns. What are they like? A twenty-point favorite on the on the Bobcats? Uh, it was up Guys, to twenty-two. It was up to twenty-two. I think it's down to like nineteen and a half now. What was going on in Duquesne? What was uh, that? I want to know. Can somebody <laughs> explain it to me? That was insanity. It was. How do they lose to Duquesne? No idea. Wow. I, think, I, want, uh, I want two minutes on this. Somebody break it down for me. Uh, I had to, to kind of watch. Well, I wasn't able to. I can tell you what happened in the game. Uh, Duquesne controlled the line of scrimmage immensely well, which is a little concerning due to the fact that they're an FCS school in an FCS conference that had never won a game against an FBS school, but they came into Peden Stadium and dominated the line of scrimmage. Russ, they had the ball for 41 minutes. And, of course, there's a little... There's a couple, you know, caveats. Ohio ran back an opening kickoff and things like that, but still, 41 minutes. Ohio couldn't get off the field on third down on the last drive that uh, Duquesne had the ball up 25-20. They converted on four different third-down occasions to keep that drive alive to get the field goal. And uh, all those factors pretty much led into a, uh, a quite a disappointing performance and a loss for Ohio. And, you know, I think the most frustrating part and the most head-scratching part is you, you after the loss of Syracuse, you were like, all right, well, you know, they're going to have to figure this figure stuff out this game against Duquesne because you got a short week playing a, a what was a ranked Louisiana team at the beginning of the year. So if this game doesn't go well, you know they're going to be panicked for the Louisiana game, and they went out and lost that game. So, you know, hopefully heads aren't down, but it's, uh, it's going to be an uphill battle tonight down there in Lafayette for sure. I don't know, guys. I don't want to rip them too bad. <laughs> that can't happen. No, that cannot no. happen. No. What is it, 2002, I yep. saw? They haven't lost to an FCS school? Yep, 2002. Did not once in the Frank uh, Solich era. Who was that then in 2002? I saw, I saw it was like a name of a castle. That's what I thought it was. I didn't even think it was a school. I forget <laughs> what the school was. But, man, I, I'm, I'm hoping they, you know what, fellas, here's what they got to do. Just cover the spreads the rest of the year. That's all you got to do. Well, try to keep it close, even though this is a pretty big spread. My, oh, my, 20 points. Yeah, you know, I'm shocked because uh, Louisiana hasn't been world beaters themselves yet this season. I mean, they beat uh, the loss at Texas week one by multiple scores, and fair enough, you know, with Sark's first game down there, they were, the boys were fired up a little bit, but they played a very mediocre to below average Nickel State team last week and only won by three points. So, you know, they're not exactly a team firing on all, on all cylinders yet either. Northeastern was the team they lost to. Yeah. Northeastern right. was in the in in 2 yeah, yeah. thirty-one nothing losses. <laughs> Wasn't that bad? All right. Well, that's not, see, that's where they can't go, and that's that's <laughs> all I got to say about the Ohio loss. That's okay. I, w- I wish I was following more about Ohio, but it just it, it did hurt when I saw Frank go. You know, I was one of those guys. I was always one of those guys that whatever anybody would say, oh, we got to get Frank out of here. He, he he can't win the big one. I'm like, that's what, yeah, I was like. There, I don't know if there's going to be many big ones. Frankly, about to say there might not be a uh, one if you don't. If you yeah, don't. yeah. That that is a man with the most MAC wins in the conference's history. I mean, he is a legend, a first ballot college football Hall of Famer. I have no, if he does not get in first ballot, that's an absolute crime. And I wish Coach Solich all the best in retirement. But hopefully, Coach Alvin can can start to. He took the reins, guys, but they're, I don't know, he got some bacon grease on his hands or something. They're slipping out right now, and we got to get get them back in. But it starts this week, and just, just try to get it done tonight. 
everybody's every, nobody thinks you can get it done, and that can be a big motivating factor. Football teams, it's exactly I think a contributing factor to what drove the Bengals victory last week, and something that I, I what do you guys think? How do you guys think about the letdown spot week two, sure. going going on the road versus the team at home and the Bears who just got smacked on national TV, and is the thing for me with that is I think half the team is just just baffled that Andy Dalton is still starting. <laughs> he is in the starting lineup. I really like, who was it? It was David Montgomery or uh, it was, I think it was Montgomery who said that he literally, he basically said that Justin Fields has a strict, great presence about him. Like, mm-hmm. like oh, can we be any more clear, Matt Nagy? And it's, that's, that's the biggest thing for me. That's what was so shocking. When I saw the Bengals as three-point underdogs, and the line's now since, I believe, moved to two and a half. But yeah. The fact that they were three-point underdogs against a team with a 2020 quarterback in Andy Dalton and a defense that was good, like, the first four weeks of last year and then completely tanked off and does not look like it's ready to get back off the mat right now. Their quarterback situation right now, fellas, is an absolute mess in Chicago. And I don't like this. this to me... I think is an opportunity for the Bengals to make a legitimate statement in the in Soldier Stadium. Go in there if the Bengals are a team that can get to two and zero, clinch that sixty two percent chance to get to the playoffs right out of the gate. Then I, I feel like it's going to be an emphatic fashion. But I'm going to get out of here on a twenty twenty eight to twenty one prediction twenty eight twenty prediction for the Cincinnati Bengals or the Chicago Bears. Couple of touchdowns for David Montgomery. Maybe runs one, runs a few in after 2020. Andy Dalton gets gets to uh, gets near the red zone, and then the Bengals overall keep it balanced once the, once again. But I think there's there's opportunity there for more shot plays, fellas. And Zach Taylor, we didn't talk much about the fourth down decision here, but mm. I believe he's going to stay aggressive, going to keep being aggressive. Has gone for it in recommended situations 52 percent of the time so far in his coaching career. That's one of the best things that I think has come with the Zach Taylor era is a a great embrace of modern analytics and the ability to say, hey, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to try to go for victories. We're not going to give the fate of our winning and loss record in the hands of the other team if we can control it. So 28-20 Bengals should be a good one. Well, I worked for you last week, Russ. So, uh, you know, hopefully you can uh, keep the hot streak rolling here with those uh, with those predictions. We appreciate oh, yeah. it, Russ. Be good. <laughs> Thanks for calling in, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good, fellas. I'll see you on next. I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Yeah, that's Russ Helpman doing a lot of things. SI Bengals, um, you know, all Bengals, and the uh, morning show down in Cincinnati. Yeah, he's got a lot of things going on, and it's always good to have uh, Russ Helpman on the program. Does a lot, covers a lot of Cincinnati Bengals. But how about that favorite back-to-back weeks? He's picking the Bengals. Over the uh, you know the Vikings or the Bears, but yeah, you know, again, I gotta agree with Russ here that I think that Cincinnati. No, nah, you just let him talk you into it. You had no, no opinion coming. No, out listen, this. I mean the Bears had no. Where Cincinnati succeeds is their receivers, and the Bears did not do a good job in the secondary. I mean their defense, their corners are giving up all the yardage to Matt Stafford, and not only, uh, you know, was it Stafford, you know, trying to a ball into a tight place. I mean, the guy was wide open. I mean, it was blown coverage multiple times on, on that Bears defense. Um, you can say, you know, Andy Dalton wasn't really... Dalton didn't really play a factor into that game, but huh? again, I mean, the, Dalton was an average quarterback, right? I mean, he's not going to go out there and win you a, a football game, uh, but he wasn't the reason why they lost. That defense was the reason why, why the Bears lost to the Rams. Um, also but, a big difference between the Rams and the Bengals, though. And that's true. Yeah, Matt, but, you got any? You got any? Uh... You fall asleep back Matt, there. Matt, you alive back there? I'm back here. There can he you is. guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. Now yeah, we can. Perfect. Just adjusting the uh, the, the mic uh, volumes over back here. Um, I personally, I had the Bengals losing week one. I did not see them going um, out there and well, not out there, but beating um, the Vikings um, and. So I don't want to make the same mistake twice, but I have Chicago winning this game. 
All right, so we got... I mean, I just think it's a little short-sighted to judge the uh, the Bears based off them playing one of the best teams in football, projected Which by some, many. Some have them the in the Super Bowl through the Rams. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I can't really see one game again. That's Week One, so it's tough to base any any speculation on how the week's going on just based off one week, one game. Um, so I'm still gonna roll the Bears. Um, but if Bengals are able to pull this one out again, that might be able to change my opinion uh, moving forward. It's going to be a – I think it's going to be a tight game. I think um, it will. I think it will be a good I game. I think Soldier Field's one of the you know tougher places and environments to go in and win a game in the NFL. Um, like I said, you know, Montgomery against – you know, we're, we could talk about the Bengals' defensive front all we want. Uh, Montgomery went in against defensive front, uh, you know, and Some's we – Some have the best defensive front. Aaron Donald and, you know, and company and Floyd and all those guys and Brockers, very good football. Well, Brockers in Detroit now, actually, excuse me. But uh, a lot of very good football players on that defense. Jalen Ramsey was flying around for the Rams. I mean, they were basically, they, he wasn't being used at the corner. They were bringing him down in the he box to make plays. Um, you know, the Bears got a really tough draw. It was the first game in the Rams' uh, first stadium. So, you know, I think it's going to be a close matchup, but um, I do not think it's going to be an easy road for Cincinnati to win that game. you got to think, you know, Andy Dalton maybe wants a little bit of revenge uh, against the team. I, I, he he kind of got a shot at it last year when, when he was in Dallas, but, you know, that was weird. Burrow was out by that point. Um, but I think it's going to be an, an interesting matchup. But, you know, if you're Cincinnati, you come out 2-0, and you got to be feeling pretty good, especially if you go and get one on the road in Chicago. Um, but we'll see. I think it's tough to judge the Bears strictly off that week one game. And and to Joey's point, it is hard to go into a new stadium for the first game and get a win. He knows that from experience. The Ravens, Ravens found fan. that out. Yep. Sorry, yeah. I just wanted to throw that jab in there. <laughs> Browns like fans you. can't jab me, man. We like we twenty years, way better. <laughs> Tw- like <laughs> you could throw them all you want. You you bring it up the past? Am I? I don't, I don't know. Don't worry, Joey. That's the same argument with the Steelers. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all right, Matt. I don't, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll I believe we swept them last we'll year. I, I, I think that's what happened. We'll go have a coffee or something together and talk about how much we don't like Browns fans. Well, again, the NFL Week 2 starts tonight. Uh, I don't, where, where is that game tonight? Because on ESPN is Ohio and Louisiana. So that's not well, Thursday night football is never on ESPN. So all right. I, well, that's why I'm asking. I'm, it's I, on the NFL Network. It's on the NFL Network? Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah, you know, not know that, Connor. Come on, man. Listen, I just got a TV the other week. You know, I'm, I'm slowly learning matter, these things. Dude, okay, whatever. <laughs> These stupid excuses. Everybody knows with the football on NFL Network on Thursday nights. Well, wasn't it that? Uh, when's NBC? Is that Sunday? It's Sunday. Night? Okay, so you got Sunday night, and oh, then uh, NBC, ESPN. Carrie Underwood, the whole intro. <laughs> yeah. Wait, no. Hey, I guessed it correctly. Either way, so you got a couple big games. Um, obviously, with Ohio tonight, you can hear that game on the radio starting at 7 o'clock over on Power 105. Um, you've got the well, We're going to talk about that game in our next yeah. segment, right? We'll talk about it in the next segment. i got to keep on talking here because CBS News is going to pop on uh, at the bottom of the hour, so I'm going to keep that down. But, um, again, so you got the, the Giants and the Washington football team tonight. You've got Ohio tonight. Um, and then high school stuff coming up tomorrow, which which should be a couple of good games, especially the Athens and Vinton County game. Uh, I I don't know which Vinton County I think is probably favored heading into that game. I know we'll talk about that a little bit later going on, but um, yeah, a couple couple of big games, and it all starts tonight. And Russ brought up the uh, last loss by an F- or Ohio to an FCS school was Northeastern. Interesting that the next game they went at number twelve Florida. It was a closer game. <laughs> than it was against Northeastern. They they still lost by a large margin. It was thirty four to six, but that's still three points closer <laughs> than thirty one nothing. You know, I gotta see because that attendance for that uh, Florida game was eighty four thousand. I yeah, wonder that was not in Athens. No, no. Okay. I mean, I, was, I didn't I was know what you were road. checking. No, no, no. But I I wonder what's the largest crowd that Ohio has played in front of. Probably a hundred thousand in the shoe, right? You think so? Yeah, if they played up in Ohio State, you would yeah. have to think. Unless they've played at Penn well, they played at they Penn State. They did play at Penn State. Yeah, that's true. That'd be if up there. That was a sold out crowd. I imagine it was, you know, it was their first game like back after the sanctions and stuff. They were trying to rally around the football team, so it's probably a pretty packed game. I don't know. I'm going to the Google. <laughs> uh but yeah, Pittsburgh Northeastern. 
Florida, Connecticut were your first four games of that season. And the one thing that I didn't realize uh, was that UCF was in the Mid-American Conference in 2002. What season was that we beat Penn State? Is that 12 or 13? I think it was 12. Yeah, it would have been 12. Okay. Anyway, we'll let Andrew uh, get a couple of those stats. We'll come back with it. Uh, of course, phone lines are open, 740-592-6646. We'll talk a little bit about the Bobcats as they take on the Raging Cajuns tonight at 8 on the big old ESPN. And then you can listen to it live also on Power 105, uh, 105.5 WXTQ. This is 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Right back after this. Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial project, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. These days, we're all doing a lot more virtually, which is why at Ohio Health, we've expanded our virtual care options and availability to make it even easier to get safe expert care at home. That includes virtual visits with over a thousand trusted providers in every medical specialty. Learn more about our virtual health options at ohiohealth.com slash virtual health. Stay informed about the stock market from Goldsberry Wealth Strategies. Weekdays at 5.30 on 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. The report follows the news. Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a broker-dealer and is independent of RJFS. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. You're listening to 970 WATH and the sports fan. Back inside the studios right here on 300 Columbus Road. Sports fan 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Mosley Mike alongside Joe Medor, Andrew Allison, Matt Carroll taking you all the way up until 7 o'clock. Cincinnati Reds were an early game today at 12.05 uh, and they were at 6.35 for the past couple of days. But before the break, we were trying to figure out, uh, Andrew, did you find out the, the lowest attendance or were you finding the highest attendance? So um, I'm well, still looking for, for highest attendance that uh, OU football has ever played in front of. So right now, it would not be Penn State. That was only 97,000. So you have a light crowd that day then. And uh, 20, when did we, where did I just have that at? 2016? Is that it? 2016, they played at Tennessee. That was 101. But I did find in the year 2018, the Bobcats played Virginia at Vanderbilt for some reason. Not sure about that. But a total of 5,400 people watched that game in person. Hmm. It's amazing. I, I mean, I just... I feel like there was some kind of circumstance to that game. Maybe like a hurricane or something going on at the time. I remember in Virginia. Yeah, Virginia's on the coast. Is Virginia University on the coast though? I don't think it is. Is it? I don't know. I don't what does it matter? Can we get to a different point here? I don't. Either know. way, I mean the Bobcats are taking on Louisiana tonight, um, and it's a game where you know opening the line opened at twenty-two and a half. The line has since come down to 19 and a half most recently, and that's uh, off ESPN. But uh, there's still a lot of questions that Ohio has to answer for, uh, especially with, you know, A, time of possession last week. They had the penalties, they had their inability to get off the field on third down. Um, and it, it's another tough opponent. Uh, last week shouldn't have been a tough opponent, but it is a, a tougher opponent this week, at least on paper against Louisiana. And, you know, if, I asked the question back on Monday. I think that you guys are here on Monday, right? You know, what, what would make you happy uh, in this game if you're a Bobcat fan? You know, what, what, what do you take away even if it's not a win? And you want to see the improvement, right? You want to see something improve, and you want to see this a close game. As the week has gone on, I mean, has, has your, your guys' answers changed to that? No, man. <laughs> I mean, it was two days ago when we talked about this. Um, 
I think we should just talk about the game a little bit. Uh, you know, as we talked about, Russ brought him up. Levi Lewis is an incredibly talented quarterback for the Raging Cajun, dual-threat guy. Um, he came up here a couple of years ago to Athens and torched the uh, the Bobcats, put up over 50 points. They have been a team, much like Ohio, that has struggled to run the football. Their leading rusher only has 100 yards after two games this year on just 22 attempts. So they've really struggled in their first couple games against Texas, which you could expect that. Texas is a much bigger school in the Big 12 and all that. Uh, but the struggle against Nichols State is something that I don't think many people – uh, thought that this Louisiana team would to start the season. I mean, they, they opened up the season ranked 24th in the country. Obviously, some people had some high expectations for this team. So, like I was saying earlier, they're also kind of a team, even though you know they got the win over the smaller school and still won in pretty convinced... Well, they won by three. Um, you know, they're still a team with many question marks coming out. You know, they were supposed to be this this offense that fired on all cylinders. They haven't been so far. They've been able to establish the running game. But the problem is Ohio hasn't been able to stop the running game. They've given up over 200 yards a game on the ground in their first couple weeks. Um, so obviously that's been a kryptonite. So, you know, I would look for Louisiana to try and establish that running game early because I'm sure they're coming into this game seeing that Ohio just lost to Duquesne and saying, all right, we should run up and down the field on these guys because they can't stop anybody. They haven't been able to do it against two pretty bad football teams the first couple weeks. So I would expect Louisiana to come out trying to run the football and then, you know, let, let Lewis do his thing. Um, and Ohio on the other side, they just got to figure out ways to sustain drives. Having the ball for 18 minutes in a football game is, is inexcusable. They've had safeties on back -to -back, in back-to-back -back games where, you know, they've been dominated up front on both sides of the ball, and that's something that's going to have to change for them to hang around because if it doesn't and this Louisiana team starts to find its footing on offense like they really haven't too much this season, it could get ugly down there tonight. Yeah, I think you you got to be able to stop the run in this game because if you get off, if Louisiana has balance with the quarterback that they have, you're in some deep, deep trouble as OU because while he's still a great quarterback, it's easier to stop a team if you can get him one-dimensional. But right now, OU hasn't been able to do that, and if they can't do it tonight, it's going to be, what's the spread, 20 points? Down to 19 and a half right now. Yeah. Well, my question, gentlemen, is maybe if we see uh, us start off to, the Ohio University start off to a slower start, will, will um, Alvin make a uh, coach's decision and maybe seeing what Armani Rogers can do? Because, I mean, it's not like Curtis Rourke has been playing too well. He's only had two of our three touchdowns with only a total of 310 yards. Maybe he wants to spark up the offense and throw in uh, Armani Rogers, who played, he had three seasons at UNLV, UNLV uh, University of Las Vegas, um, before coming to Athens. So, I mean, I could maybe see it trying to start up a spark for the offense, because it's not mm -hmm. like we've, uh, we've done much in these past two games. Yeah, that, that's definitely an option. Um, I think uh, a big issue with Ohio's running game right now is, you know, we're, we're, they're still going to that read option look, which Curtis Rourke for years was able to run very effectively and other quarterbacks before him. But I think you have to adjust to your personnel. Yep. Curtis's brother, excuse me, uh, Nathan's brother, Curtis, is not the same runner that his brother was. It's th they're different dimensions. I think Curtis might have a bit of a stronger arm. I think he's a better in-the-pocket passer, but... When it comes to being that dual-threat guy, Curtis isn't that. And when you're running the read option without your quarterback being a serious run threat, the defense doesn't care. They'll let him keep it on the outside. they got guys who can track him down after two or three yards. Right, and if, if Alvin is an offensive guy, correct? Mm. I did not make that up in my head. He is an yeah. offensive guy. He's, He's been, been the offensive, been the offensive coordinator yeah. for many years, yes. That's what I wanted to make sure of before I made this statement. You've been the offensive coordinator for that many years. How can you not sit there and tell oh, this guy is not as good as this as the rest of my quarterbacks have been. We've got to change something up. Or is that all he knows how to run? Well, again, I mean, he's he set numerous records. He's coached uh, numerous offensive records that have been set over the past, you know, 16 years since he's been involved with the program. And, you know, it's, it's a, a different scheme that you have to implement pretty quick, right? I mean, you knew that, that Nathan Rourke was going to, to leave and, and you know he had NFL aspirations got drafted in the CFL um, so you knew that you were going to have to have a, uh, a quarterback change pretty quick uh, with Curtis Rourke or Armani Rogers transferring in uh, he had Harris uh, the Harris kid was almost was under consideration too um, he's you know, still and, here 
and yeah, he, he, I mean, he is still here. Mishler left, um, was on Duquesne before he got injured against TCU. But uh, you, know, you, you do have to kind of fit your offense to what you have working right now. And it's like what you guys have been saying. Curtis Rourke is not as elusive. He's not as uh, you know, effective at running you know, at that RPO as Nathan Rourke had been in the past. Yeah, and we talked about this last year because they did a lot of the two-quarterback stuff last year, and I'm okay with that. Last year was kind of a throwaway year anyway for pretty much across college football except for the select teams that actually did get to play a, few, <laughs> a full schedule. Um, so you're trying to figure it out. And, you know, what everybody said is, when Armani comes in, the run game definitely opens up because there is those two guys in the backfield when, it's, when it was Rodgers and Tuggle back there, two serious running threats with the ball. You can see the running holes open up a bit, and that offense would click to that. But then we also you know, got to the point where it became too predictable that when Armani came in the game, they were going to run the football. And um, you know, maybe what Matt's suggesting, and I don't think they're going to do this, I think they're, they're going to put their confidence in Curtis because that's the future of the program, and Armani's only got his last year of eligibility this year. But I do think, you know, maybe, maybe a shakeup is what they need. I mean, you see Armani, he came in the Syracuse game. They put him in a couple plays. You know, they got a good run up the middle for five yards, and he hit a 30-yard pass down the sideline. And, you know, Armani wasn't left to, to play the rest of that drive. And then they put him in on the goal line last week and tried to run a pass, and he got sacked. And, you know, that was one of the head-scratching plays of the day, one of many for Ohio that happened last weekend. But... I, I think they're going to stick with Curtis. I think they're going to try to stay the course, but I do think we need to get some more, you know, not, not necessarily option looks, but just straight-up run plays and, and try to get some, some kind of push on the offensive line because that has not been – they have not been able to find that in these first couple of weeks. And we always knew, you know, the past few years with, when they've had – you know, when Nathan was around, they had great running backs like A.J. Olette and Malik Irons and – all kinds of other guys, and even, you know, O'Shawn Allison a couple years ago, he was, the, he was the lead back to Montre Tuggle last year. He was the lead back. They had success running the football. They haven't been able to find that in these first couple games. And against Syracuse, you tip your cap. You're like, all right, that's an ACC program. They were bigger, faster, stronger kids. Sometimes that happens. But Duquesne, I mean, they got freaking 25 guys on scholarship over there. You know, you should be able to dominate up front against a team like that, and they didn't. And I think that's why, you know, you're, you're – Hearing a lot of panic from people that are talking, you know, in and around the football program right now. And I think the biggest thing here, right? I mean, you, you talk about putting Armani Rogers in, and Joe, you can refresh my mind, or if, if somebody remembers, I think it was Howard, right? Howard had Cam Newton's younger brother as a quarterback back in 2018. Yeah, back in 2018, right? And Howard was FCS, correct? Yep. yep. And you know, Nathan Rourke was not performing well, right? That offense was not clicking. They were not getting the job done. So. What you did was you pulled Nathan and you put Quentin Maxwell in, right? You don't really have, and I think that Armani Rodgers is a good quarterback. I think Quentin Maxwell is a better quarterback, right? I don't think that you really have that guy. If you had that guy, I think you probably would have seen that change be made last week. Sure, yeah. You know, I, mean, I don't think the coaches have that kind of confidence in Armani Rodgers to have him run this offense from, you know, the, the opening kickoff until you know, the final whistle blows because it probably would have happened already. But at right? what point when you lose to Duquesne, do you have to reevaluate everything? Throw out all preconceived notions you had from all off-season, all training camp, and sit there and go, okay, we need to take a look at ourselves. Yeah, I mean, what we're also now looking at is, you know, short week. They had two days of practice. They traveled down there yesterday. How much are you going to change in two days? Right. I mean, I, right. I, you, I can't see you throwing out a whole new quarterback and trying to, you know, a whole new different thing. Um, I mean, obviously, the, they're running the same offense for both guys, and, like, the read option does suit a guy like Armani Rodgers. He's a very, you know, capable big guy. He's not afraid to mix it up in between the tackles when he's running the ball, and he's obviously got the speed. Um, but I just don't see, on a short week, like Matt mentioned, making a change that drastic. Um, I don't, you know, I just think that'd be too much to try to change up in, in the couple of days they had to get prepared for this game. And maybe that's something that we're misleading and not talking about it could be to their benefit. Maybe they make they simplify everything this week. It's like, all right, we got a couple of days to prepare for this team. We're just going to go with what we do best and try to roll it out there and roll the dice and see what we can do. It's a short week for Louisiana, too, mind you, right? And I'm sure maybe they're all back a little bit. They're like, oh, this team lost to freaking Duquesne last week. We can you know, roll right over these guys. So maybe maybe in that sense, Ohio could catch them sleeping a little bit. But I think, 
you're naive to say that Louisiana is not by far the more talented team this year. And uh, I just think over the course of four quarters tonight, that's going to show itself by the end of the game. It probably will. Again, Ohio 0-2, Duquesne 1-1. Duquesne with wins uh, with a win over Nichols, 27-24. Louisiana. What did I just say? You Duquesne. Said Duquesne. Ah. Duquesne is 1-1, one one, but they're well, not, Duquesne who, is, not yeah. who Ohio's playing tonight. Louisiana won last week against Nichols, 27-24. Lost to ranked Texas, 38-18. In week number one, and Louisiana was ranked at that time at 23. Uh, so, you know, this team has some expectations coming into this season. It was a big letdown week number one against Texas. Uh, they barely squeaked by Nichols last week, 27-24. And now they face a Bobcat team home uh, that has been reeling over the past two weeks. Lost to Syracuse, lost to Duquesne last week, uh, 28-26. Both teams need a big win. And, uh, you know, a good stage to do it on ESPN tonight. Uh, with Only college football game on tonight as well. Right. So, right. all so eyes. Like to call Maction, baby. Yeah, well, we're not playing a Max school there, Matt, but. <laughs> Anytime an OU team is playing, that's Maction in my mind. Yeah, I mean, you're probably, you know, besides around here, I'm sure plenty of people tune in for the Bobcats. You probably get the national audience probably watching most of the football game tonight. But you also got to. Keep in mind, not everybody has the NFL Network or Amazon or whatever else they're streaming. Right? They're doing Amazon this year. They're streaming NFL games on there. Sure. I think so. Yeah, they, you you they, guys they... really don't keep up with this stuff, do you? <laughs> so we're radio. We don't keep up with TV sometimes. Anyway, uh, but the Bobcats again with the pregame show. Russ Eisenstein, Rob Cornelius, and last week was Jake Hermata doing the studio hosting from Learfields. I'm not sure who's hosting in the studio this week. Uh, could be Jake, could be somebody new, but they've had somebody new week one. They've had somebody new, uh, relatively new, week number two. And uh, You know, I, I think if you're an Ohio fan, you just let's just keep it close, hang around. and Put up a respect. Know, let the, let the chips fall as they may. That's all you can kind of say when you're, when you're coming into a game as 20-point underdogs. We'll see what happens. Ohio and Louisiana. Pre-game starts on WXDQ in about 12 minutes. And Sports Fan Rolls On right here on 970 97.1 FM WATH. Brought to you by Jane K. Contracting. We'll be right back after this. Integrated Services uh, is constantly seeking partnerships. How can I have a meaningful relationship with primary care providers so that we can take care of our shared community of people that need support? We've grown exponentially, and I really see the next five to ten years being a similar story. The opportunities are endless. Who is it? It's me, Sky, host of Classic Caravan. I got the show. Come on, open up. Who? Sky. Sky Hope, every day between 4 and 6, you know, I got the show. Answer the door. Sky? Yeah, that's right, man. Monday through Friday, 97.1 FM, 970 AM. Let me in. Sky's not here, girl. No, I'm Sky. Open up. I got the show. Sky's not here, man. Partially sponsored by Anheuser-Busch Classic Brands. It's when we dig deep. Loses to Bjorkstrand, leads it now for Texier, steps around his man, left wing circle. To do the right thing at the right moment. All the way around behind the net, wrap around and score! Nice shoot, Tex! It's our blue, and out of our blue, we rise. Choose the games you want and flexible payment options with the Blue Jackets ticket plan for the 2021-2022 season. Text TICKET to 26791 for more information. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. You're listening to The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. On 7090, 7.1 FM, WATH. There's the mic alongside Joe Medour, Matt Carroll, Andrew Allison, all joining us right here on WATH. And, you know, lots of stuff happening, right? I mean, the Reds picked up a win against the Pirates. The... High school season continues on next week with a couple of, well, the, tomorrow, a uh, 
couple big games. Trimble taking on John Marshall, and then Athens-Vinton County, which should be a good one. We'll have both those games uh, on our stations. Game of the week with Trimble over on Power 105. Athens, of course, right here at 970 WATH. Uh, and you know, it's it's looking less and less likely, guys, like a, a postseason broadcast on uh, WATH for the Cincinnati Reds. They lost the series to the Pittsburgh Pirates. I believe mm-hmm. they're two back on the St. Louis Cardinals for the second wild card spot. Uh, Padres still in front of them, right? I mean, it, it's they're currently a game back. Um, just a game. Padres and Cardinals, I believe, both have to play tonight, though. Right. I saw the Padres were leading the. Uh, where are the Padres playing? They're they're playing somebody. Else. Playing the, the Giants. Giants are up seven two yeah. in the bottom of the eighth. So yeah, I mean, I just remember it's funny. Um, you know, so many people counted the Cardinals out, and it was like after a few weeks after the uh, the trade deadline, it's like all right, it's just gonna be Reds, Milwaukee, and in the NL Central, that's gonna be all the contenders. But Cardinals very sneakily with that really good lineup they have just kept on winning ball games and winning series and continuing to close the gap. And now they find themselves in the second wild card spot. Um, St. Louis, you know, the past 10, 15 years historically always been, you know, in the playoff picture, and they've done a good job bouncing back late in the season to put themselves in this position now. And the Reds, uh, they're reeling a bit. Uh, you can't be losing series to the Pirates this late in the season with playoff aspirations. I think Winker's coming back, and maybe that will help out the lineup who, you know, hasn't had the best go of it the past few games. Um, but right now, you know, it's it's tough to find the confidence because they've just kind of lost the spark they 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 had going there uh, in in late in late in mid to late August and then you know you, you look down the stretch and you were like they don't have very many tough series the, this entire month I know the Dodgers were coming to town but other than that you know the Cubs are out of it the Cardinals of course are back into it you have to win it now and you can play the Dodgers as I just said but then you have Pirates Nationals and then. You know, White Sox on the other side to wrap up the season. I think everybody was like, there's a lot of winnable games in there, but they've uh, they've had a tough month to start out. Yeah, you can't be losing games like that to the Pirates if you are making a playoff push. Now, you, Joey talked about the schedule coming up. You still got two, three series against bottom feeder teams, but you got to play three, uh, five games against teams that are in the top of their division. Not as easy as it looked going into this series or into this month, but. They're, they still hold their own destiny, I think, but you, you got to find a way quickly to get back to where they were. I mean, they stumbled to just start the month. You come in losing two or three to Detroit, who is a terrible baseball team, two or three to the Cubs, who sold everybody. You lose two or three to St. Louis when you had to have it. Now you lose two or three to the Pirates. I mean, it's just not the trajectory you see from a team that, that's trying to make a postseason push, and this has been... You know, it's kind of the story of the team all year. There's peaks and valleys. As soon as you think they've turned a corner and figured it out, the bullpen's throwing well for a while. you got the starters who've been solid, the lineup's hitting. And then, uh, you know, they, they just all kind of collapse on themselves altogether. Oh, yeah, and I mean, especially against the Cardinals in that series, you know, losing two out of three, that kind of propelled St. Louis, you know, to a five-game winning streak. I mean, they just swept the Mets. Uh, and, and St. Louis is taking care of teams that are either ahead of them, like the Reds winning that series, or teams that were close behind them in the wild card standing, such as the Mets. Uh, and on the other hand, I mean, the, the Reds need to, to win the games that are easily uh, within grasp, right? I mean, you can't be losing to the Pirates by one run. I mean, it, the I series mean, was just one run it series. All, it all lined up for them, too. The Padres right. have also been stumbling the past couple weeks. That was the one team you were like, this is who they're going to have to catch if they're going to do it. And I'm not sure they will because the Padres played so well all year. But a couple injuries nicked them up a little bit, and they've been kind of stumbling around 500 the past, you know, few weeks, too. And you're like, if the Reds could just beat these teams that they should be beating, they they could have a cushion in this thing. And uh, I think that's probably going to be the most frustrating part if in a couple more weeks this uh, trend continues and the Reds find themselves on the outside looking into the postseason. Yeah, heading into the last few months of the regular season, <clears throat> um, they you know they they were they had their grip on the. Uh, Wild card spot, the second wild card spot. Um, but then they, you know, you lose four in a row the past four games, and then, uh, well, the past, other than today, um, then you lose twelve of sixteen. Uh, that just you sh- that can't happen if you want that wild card game playing a uh, for a playoff spot. Um, it just it just can't. Uh, the, the the offense, you know, hasn't been. I mean, they've been one of the better offensive teams in the league. Uh, but with uh, the e- it's not consistent, and that's been their problem. Um, yeah, you yeah. know it's it, 
the, this last few series is going to be telling, um, be, uh, obviously, because if they don't win, I mean, they're not making the, pl- the playoffs. You know, you got you to gotta steal some from the Dodgers. You got to sweep the Pirates, at least for one of the series, um, if not both, if you want a chance. And that's what it's going to come down to. Um, and let's, you know, I'll be, I'll be surprised to see if they, if they're able to. I mean, we saw this last year. They got hot the last couple weeks, yep. and uh, their pitching was really good, and they were able to, you know, sneak into that wild card spot. Um, they didn't really show up for the wild card games, especially the batting lineup. But, uh, but you know, they were able to get hot these last, the last couple weeks last year, and put together some good performances to, to sneak in there. Um, I, I do think, you know, they have three or four guys who in one game could pitch really well and get you a win. They also have a lineup that's capable of having good games against number one starting pitchers and other teams. So if they are able to get in that spot, I, you know, they have a shot, and you're going to see them play the Dodgers coming up here. So, you yep. know, you can get an indication on who they could potentially see in a wild card a game. playoff caliber team, yeah. see how they can produce against them. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It would be interesting to see. If you ask Cincinnati fans right now, who would they rather have in the playoffs, Reds or Bengals? Who would they? Who do you think they would say? Wow, Bengals. I see. I would say I think Reds. I think Cincinnati is a baseball town. I I think they are. Yeah, but you know, you had your team in the see, playoffs last year. See, he's got the borough. Year. He's got the Athens County borough bias. That's that's what. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying. Look, <laughs> if I were if I were to, if you asked me this question back in 2013 or something, right? And I, I know way before I'm, that, buddy. That's when well, the, the the Reds like seventies well, no. and eighties was the Reds. I think ninety was, was the Reds era, wasn't it? Well, it's the last time they won it, but like yeah. they were dominant back then with okay. you know. with the big red machine. Yeah, but I mean, my point was, you know, me as a Met fan and a Jet fan growing up. If you were going to ask me that question back in like two thousand thirteen, when the Jets had been in the playoffs and the Mets hadn't, I'd say, you know, I'd, w- I'd want the New York Mets, right? Because they haven't been there. Uh, I, I got my postseason full uh, fill on on football for the past couple of years, and then I mean they fell off the table, and, and Mets made it in fifteen. But if you I were guess the Mets and here, Jets fan, you just settle for playoff appearances. <laughs> rather yeah. than well, that, honestly rather though, than I can agree with Connor because but, I mean as a Pirates fan, haven't been to the playoffs in twenty years. The two thousand thirteen wild card game, then when Pittsburgh beat uh, the Reds, that famous Quado, that game, um, that was one of the best. Pittsburgh sports moments, that's uh, it's, it's up there, you know, and that's only for a wild card win. So I, I can definitely see where Connor's coming from. You know, you want a team that hasn't been there in the playoffs for quite some time. If, if they have a chance, I think the fans might choose that team over a team that's had seen some playoffs. Well, guess what? Their best chance right now is the Reds get in the playoffs. So uh, I, I don't know. Uh, better right be now the Bengals are on track to go 17-0. <laughs> on pace. <laughs> they are on pace. Undefeated, they are. Uh, man. Either way, I mean, hopefully you get both teams in the postseason if you're a Cincinnati fan. I mean, it's still very early in the football season to where anything no can happen. No one in this box would like that, Connor. Uh, listen, hey, if the Ravens, season ended Steelers, right now, the Bengals would be in the playoffs. <laughs> listen, I mean, it would I be... I mean, there'd be a lot of tiebreakers. We'd have to even out to, to make sure a lot. that they would be. But Either way. Having the win over the NFC team doesn't help them. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Sports Fan 970 97.1 FM WATH with Joe Medor and Andrew Allison and Matt Carroll. I'm Connor Mills signing off. Tomorrow, high school football returns on the airwaves as it's the Trimble Tomcats taking on the John Marshall Monarchs out in West Virginia. Athens Bulldogs taking on Vinton County right here at 970 WATH. And then over on Power 105 coming up in about a minute. It is the Ohio Bobcats against Louisiana. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio,